Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Boardroom Buddies podcast. Each podcast is themed and I interview and ask questions from a specialist who's also the owner of a small business, just like us. If you're a business owner of a micro business, then I hope that this sparks your thinking, answers some questions that you may have, and that you get some tips on the subject that helps you move your business forwards. I do hope that you enjoy the podcast. I very much enjoyed recording it. Hello and welcome to this week's Boardroom Buddies podcast. This week is quite interesting if you're a small business. I wonder if you have ever thought about risk in your business. This week we're going to be talking with Rachel Bowden of Thinking Audit. The minute you say audit, everybody automatically thinks it's financial. But actually, there are some other things that you can think about in your business that don't really relate to the finances of the business, but are all about managing the risk and the performance of your business. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you very much. And yeah, thank you for mentioning finances already. I think I probably should get a tattoo that says I'm not an accountant. (laughs) (laughs) no it's automatic isn't it the minute you mention that word audit we automatically go to the financial thinking about it but of course well I'm going to let you tell us about your business and about thinking audit so yeah tell us your story how what is thinking audit what do you actually do (laughs) oh the million dollar question yeah um, (laughs) And it might mean that I need to define some other words as well. So broadly, I work with audit committees and I work with internal auditors to help them be more efficient in the way they deliver internal audit, to help them really understand either the type of assurance they need as non-executive directors or the type of assurance they need to provide. And when we think about assurance, really, it's that independent view about how well are we doing, how efficiently are we working Are we doing what we need to do? And internal auditors, for anyone that's not come across that term before, internal audit is a profession in its own right, full of people like me, some of whom will be accountants, but I'm not an accountant. And it's a profession of people who are really there to try to think how best to explain it, to provide that independent and objective view on how good an organisation's governance is, how well it's managing its risks, and how good its internal control is. So there's quite a lot of focus on things like process and control. But really, it's taking a step back and saying, with like a common sense hat, does that make sense what you're doing? Is that the best way you could do it? Have you thought about all of the risks there? And are you doing everything that you can to really manage the business well, in a very simplistic way, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I know from having been a trustee on a few boards that certainly the audit side of it and managing governance and risk is really key yeah Um, but it was kind of stepping away from that and running our own business that we have taken some of that and applied it in the business that we now have it's not as formal and it's nowhere near as in-depth as the kind of thing that you do with a larger organization And that was the reason for asking you to come onto the podcast, because I know from having previous businesses that it's not something you think about. What are the risks? Yeah, 
And it's really interesting to take stock. And I've had to do it for my own small business as well. So previously, yeah. I've worked in much larger organisations, public sector, large corporates, firms of accountants. And there's just a whole framework there of governance, of risk management. And then all of a sudden, it's just one or two of you, maybe more, but in yeah. a small business. And actually thinking about the risk sometimes gets a bit lost because I think especially as small business owners, we're just so busy doing and working with our clients that we don't always take stock and ultimately risk management is quite a reflective process yeah um, and it's top of taking time out to really think about are we doing the right things for the right reasons I guess so yeah, yeah I absolutely agree that it will be far less formal mm-hmm. and probably fewer layers but some of that same thought process would still be there yeah and to I mean that part of what we do in mastermind is you know a small part of that is that we actually look at risk that we're facing as an owner of a small business and you were very helpful in that that process when we did that ages ago now wasn't it yeah it does Um, feel like ages ago now (laughs) it was yeah but it was a very useful exercise I don't think it's something that we even consider no, as a small as a I say a small business owner as an owner of the small business. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. And actually, risk management can just be about asking yourself a series of questions. So yeah. the first one is actually what we're trying to achieve. Which, mm. I mean, it sounds a bit daft, but Jackie, you know from the businesses that you work with, not everyone always has a clear vision or mm. a direction of travel. So the, the, st- the starting point is what are we trying to achieve and why? And the yeah. next point of risk management is really what could stop us getting there? And it's as simple as that, but really trying to think around the topic. So, yeah. for example, there will always be things, small businesses, things like cash flow will yeah. always be a risk area or for most will be a risk area. But yeah. also in the nature of the world that we live and work in, things like cyber risks. So that could be the risks of hacks or you know something unwanted but it could also just be really poor wi-fi and broadband you know affecting your ability to deal with your clients on a daily basis Um, I mean certainly for me I do so much work remotely now since before the pandemic lockdown that you know good broadband is absolutely key for me yeah yeah and I've, I've noticed in when I'm doing podcasts that good broadband is absolutely essential. (laughs) It's really thinking around all those different facets and you can do that in loads of different ways. Sometimes you could, I guess, write down some headings and brainstorm underneath that, but it can be useful to sometimes do it as an exercise with someone else as well. Even if you're the only person in your business sitting down with a friend or family member and just having that brainstorm and thinking about different aspects, which are maybe finance customers future plans technology people you know just break it into some areas like that maybe future markets or markets that you've been in before they also like positive things that we all need to have in the business but then start thinking about what are my risk areas so for example in terms of your client base one thing that a lot of people don't think about but it's really key is over reliance on a single client what happens if that client decides to go elsewhere or ceases to exist or just doesn't need your services anymore so you know that type of thing can be really helpful so that exercise we did I think there were about five of us weren't there we all sat and brainstormed and then challenged each other a bit on our risks was so useful but for me it's taking the time out to be able to do that 
yeah, in terms of risk management and the process, I see that every day in my mm. class. And I see how they get assurance on how well they're managing risk. Yeah. Uh, but taking time out to do it for your own business, is, it feels like a luxury, but actually it's really important. Yes. Yeah. So we did that exercise actually during the pandemic on Zoom. Did, yes. So, I mean, there would be something for us to add to that question, you know, uh, what could stop you could a pandemic stop us yeah and do you know what's a really interesting point thinking about all the clients i've worked with over the years most big organizations a few years ago had pandemic risk on their risk register because you remember there was h5n1 i think which i think is bird flu and there's swine flu and sars but i don't think anyone had really got to the bottom of the so what and it's the so what of the risk that's important so mm. a pandemic an illness is just an illness. It's the so what of that. So, mm. you know, if you can't get to your customers, if you can't deliver your service, if you know, twenty five percent of your staff are ill at once and can't be functioning, so many things like that that I really noticed looking back that organisations before the pandemic had things like pandemic illnesses as a risk, although mm. over time that type of dropped off after swine flu and bird flu went a bit quieter yeah but then we thought about this what did it really mean so mm. if you're a university the type of you know how do you engage with new students to get your future pipeline in for example is a real risk you know it's the always that pipeline of new students coming in which brings life and you know income to the university for example yes yeah yeah so you mentioned clients a, a moment ago who's a typical client for you who you know who's a good client for you well, my clients can probably be any sector. I tend not to do a lot of financial services because certainly in my area that becomes quite a niche area of knowledge, although I do a little bit of work in that sector. But so I can work with public sector charities, PLCs, large private companies, and I do. So it's a really nice mixture. And my mm. target clients and the people that I typically work with tend to be heads of internal audits. So they're people who have a position within the company to lead their assurance function, sometimes risk managers, uh, quite often the chair of the audit committee, and actually chairs of audit committee have been a really good referral source for me, recommending mm -hmm. me to other organisations. And then quite often the finance director as well, because while what we're talking about isn't necessarily financial, there will be a financial element, and finance directors often have areas such as risk management, internal audit assurance, whether you think it belongs to finance or not, yeah. quite often finance directors will have some type yeah. of managing responsibility maybe for some of those functions. Yeah, they seem to lump things like HR and all of that under one person's responsibility, but often the financial director or the company secretary. Yeah. Kind of thing. Tend to get like that, almost that like kind of a big corporate services functions that you see now that have yeah. got lots of very talented people with areas of specialism, but yeah, as you say, within that, that yeah. So actually, you mentioned company secretaries, so heads of governance, company secretaries, oh, as yes, well. Of course. You know, yeah. Quite often, one of my introductory points. But I mm. tend to spend a lot of my time with the heads of internal audit, their team, and the audit committee. Yeah. So you mentioned like the risk management, and we did a. You had a little template which you very kindly shared with us. So if anybody wants that template I can forward that on by email because it's nice a nice simple template to use yeah. as the owner of a small business and it's very good for taking you know for facilitating you taking some time 
to kind of step back and have a look at your business, yes. which is something that we, you know, kind of the purpose of Mastermind really is for you to step out of the day-to-day delivery mm-hmm. and to review what you're doing and making sure you're moving in the right way. So tell us how you started your business. What made you move out of the kind of corporate setting then into running well, your own business? Probably years ago, one of my, when I was in one of the firms of accountants providing outsourced internal audit services, I used to do quite a lot of quality assurance work. If I still do, but at that point, I was doing quite a lot of quality assurance and external quality assessment of internal audit functions. And right. one of my clients who had previously been a colleague just said to me, oh, you know, the nature of what you do, you know, that'd be great as a small business. And while at that point it wasn't the right time for me, it just type of sowed a seed. And yeah. so probably a few years later, that seed had always been there. And I got to the stage where I was really busy, but really bored. And I'd been with the same organisation quite a long time. And I could have stayed there forever, been perfectly fine. My mm. God, Whereas if I don't give this a go... I just never will. Yeah. So I did. And I worked what felt like the longest seven and a half month notice. (laughs) Forever. And just set up initially as a sole trader. But within a few months, I incorporated because most of my clients are large organizations with procurement Mm -hmm. functions. And they just don't like dealing with uh, sole traders. It's much easier to be incorporated company. So while I was probably always going to do that, probably expedited the. Yeah. which that I did incorporate thinking audit as a company rather than just a brand that I was using. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point to make, isn't it? That, it, you know, if it, whether you incorp- decide to incorporate or not can also be influenced by who you want to work with. Yes. Yeah, and it really was. And I, mm. I as I said, I always thought that I would incorporate and become a limited company, but it just became really clear really quickly that my life would be so much easier if mm-hmm. I did so yeah I probably was a sole trader for about four months in the end I guess yeah, yeah. so what were your challenges then what what did it feel like day one <laughs> day one well first of all probably just a real culture shock because I used to work in a, a firm of about 3,000 people and I worked there for a long time and the nature of my role meant that I knew lots of people not just in my area but across mm. the whole business so while I was really excited, there was probably a real shock about, I don't have hundreds of colleagues. Where are all these people that are my sounding board or that I know and I can just chat to? So to some extent, a bit of loneliness. Yes. Probably, I think. It was probably the initial challenge. And then after that, while it's all really exciting, it's that, okay, so now I'm head of marketing, head of finance, <laughs> yeah. you know, head of client delivery all mm. at once and just, you know, just getting the juggling right mm. uh, and finding time to work type of on the business and grow the business and not just spending all of your time delivering for clients. And even now, sometimes that can be a challenge. And as small businesses, we tend to go with the peaks and troughs of our markets and our clients. I've got definitely better at type of, for example, August is generally reasonably quiet for client work. So I normally have some work, but it's much less than other months. And making sure that I therefore do something really constructive with the rest of that time. Yes. You know, to grow the business. Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes that's also about preparing things to be prepared for when it gets really busy. As for me, it does tend to very much at the end of the year. So 
November, December, January always seems to be really busy for me. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that you started the business on your own. Yes. Yeah. How quickly was it before you involved Rodri? <laughs> well, I think it's three years. I'd have to look back and check, but I think it's about three years. So for anyone listening, Rodri is my husband. He's pre- pre- previously a computer programmer and it just made sense because I was using him so much as a sounding board. He wanted something new and different to do. But what it really has meant is that he's type of created time by looking after the finances, some of the admin, some of the marketing. For example, he's building a new client portal at the moment. So building on his technology skills, it really meant that I've got time to focus on yeah. clients and engagement, yeah. potential clients as well. So it mm-hmm. works really well. It also means that there's someone in the business for me to talk to. So it's like a mini mastermind, let yeah. alone or you know our, our wider group. Yeah, it's been absolutely great actually. And you know we worked throughout lockdown in the same place all the time. Yeah, and that worked really well. And I think that was the real proof of the pudding. Yeah, that the business was going well. We were both at home all the time working on the same things. Mm. And I don't think we had a single crossword. Probably touch wood now when I say that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I think that as business owners as well, we, particularly if you're a solopreneur, you know, sole trader, it's you on your own and you feel that you've got to be good at everything. And so having pulling someone else into the business, whether it's your other half or a you know, business partner, but also outsourcing to other people. Because do you do your own bookkeeping and things? Yeah, I mean, we have an accountant, but yeah, we have, you know, we've got an accounting system, we're all digital, and it's pretty straightforward. So we've got, you know, an expert we can call on when we need to, but the nature of our bookkeeping is really straightforward. So, you know, we do manage that in-house most of the time. Yeah. No, I do know where you're coming from in terms of that whole feeling like you have to be an expert in everything. And that's probably another thing that I struggled with because I'm a control freak and I, and therefore sometimes I can strive for perfection where it's not needed as well. I used to find that you're doing things like writing copy for the website. It gets to the stage where actually it's probably fine. Just leave it alone and (laughs) be working it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you bounce those sorts of things off of Rod, you know, to kind of share them and say, what do you think? And, Yeah, absolutely. And he's got also a really different writing style to me as well. So that's quite good, I think. Yeah. Um, A lot of his writing, he's got a master's in philosophy. So he's written quite a lot of academic papers. I write a lot of business papers. So actually probably quite a good foil for each other. Yes. Okay. That's been really interesting. Thank you for that. It's been a while coming. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, everybody, for listening into the podcast this week. Hope you've enjoyed hearing about maybe thinking about risk management for your business. If you would like a template, do get in touch with me by email, jacks at jackiecasey.consulting. Listen to the podcast. If you like it, please subscribe because then you'll know when the next ones are out and pretty much they're every fortnight on a Monday. And let me know what you think of the podcast too. So Rachel, oh yes, I mustn't forget. How do people get in touch with you if they know someone who probably needs to talk to you about your services? 
Okay, well, I am on LinkedIn, so it's Rachel Bowden, B-O-W-D-E-N, or you can go to my website, which is thinkingaudit.co.uk. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. I do hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Boardroom Buddies podcast. Do subscribe for more podcasts and it would be lovely if you shared it on your favourite podcast platform. If you have any questions or you would like to talk any more on the topic, then do connect with me on LinkedIn or email me on jax, that's J-A-X, at jackiecasey.consulting. And thanks for listening.